Thanks on all to Fearless in Devotion, the Wrexham AFC podcast, sponsored by the one and only Fat Boar Bar and Restaurant for all your culinary and uh, alcoholic and non-alcoholic. And spiritual. And spiritual needs, emotional needs. Um, yes, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, once again, um, you can buy us a coffee. Tim, can people still do that? They can. They can if you go to the uh, link tree, just type in Fearless and Devotion on link tree, or you'll find it all, or buy us a coffee forward slash Fearless, Fearless IDZ. You'll find it easy enough. Please feel free to drop us uh, uh, a couple of quid. That'd be great because it helps with running costs and it would be. We need it. We need it. We've run out of Zoom storage. Daddy yeah. needs more Zoom storage. Andy needs more money for his, for his ciggies. We just had to pay more money for Zoom storage, and also we cleaned out uh, all of our reserves paying for this week's guest. More on that shortly. Hang uh, on, hang on. <laughs> I just say, keep it. Yeah, keep we it. have to go through his agent for this, and yeah, we did have to offer some cash, but Dino straight away gave it to charity. So you know, yeah, let's let's just head that off now. Yeah. So we've had to give money to charity. So please treat what us as charity. Your, was it his age? As your next charity to help us continuing doing that. Um, the Builders Lawn Foundation. <laughs> no, no, it was it was Nightingale House Hospice. Something he's he's done a few times. So yeah, you know that, that's good. Well, we could see Liam Randall has joined us here as well as Andy and Tim. Liam is wearing uh, last year's kit. Uh, did anyone get this year's kit? Anyone 400 quid worse off? Or was it just me? I managed to get hold of it, but I was I didn't get trapped because I used PayPal. That seems to, seemed to be the little workaround, the little hack. Use PayPal and everything in your life will be good. I'm not being paid by PayPal for this, but yeah, that worked. Um, what's the latest on that, Andy? Because, I mean, I was actually joking. I didn't, um, I didn't get uh, done with it, so I'm fine. But I saw a lot of people were um uh, were being charged ludicrous sums because they'd been triple and quadruple hit hadn't they um has the club reimbursed have they sorted that issue does anyone know uh i mean i saw people on the day yeah. saying that due to the waiting area they came mm-hmm. in they thought they'd got one they hadn't they came back in again they've been charged twice look it'd be very doubtful if the club isn't fully reimbursing people as we speak no they've done uh, it I, they yeah, did it yeah. they did it the same day a lot of people were quick to uh, to point out that they'd done it quite swiftly um which is fair because they were all on on the club about the issues that that came up through that entire pre-order process which the club were quick enough to put a, a press release out about as well so uh on that uh huge demand for shirts uh the uh, we had the revelation this week that Wrexham's turnover has gone from Two odd million to twenty million—a tenfold increase. It's just in crazy numbers, aren't they, Tim? Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's like that—that that still hasn't sunk in for me because it was kind of said by Flo at a at like a corporate event in Bolsworth Castle, I think, which not many people knew that was happening. So, yeah, to go from what two and a bit million to twenty million, it gives us an idea of of what we're going to be seeing in the in the uh, annual accounts with everything, but it's that's that's an astonishing figure, and it's, it's it seems very high. Is it? Is it, it like high. I, um, I was expecting maybe around the ten mark, even just under ten, but to go to twenty seems. I'm not, as I say, I'm not a financial expert, but that seems extremely high. 
high, but welcoming, I suppose. Mm. Uh, mm. I know you guys know a bit more about the financial fair play stuff than me, but it puts us in in a decent uh, position regarding about that that's that entire side of things. So yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I think this sort of knocks financial fair play on the head. Now, we, we, we were unsure and we talked to Bryn about it a couple of couple of weeks ago about how much we'd be affected by it. Because, you know, people say that Salford haven't been able to kick on because they can't get past FFP. But, well, Salford are a different case to us because they're not filling their ground. Um, they're not bringing in, well, looks like, looks like millions from documentaries or, or sponsorships. So, yeah, we're a slightly different case. And, you know, I've... I, I, I was astonished by that figure, but it does sort of drag us through any sort of FFP uh, nightmare we could have had. And I, I expect us to, to add a few big names in the next couple of weeks. Well, the irony here actually is that FFP uh, helps us a lot, right? It, bet, it, it actually rewards teams with really high turnover. So actually it's, it's impinging on other clubs who would be our bigger competitors, but who are actually a bit hamstrung. Um, Speaking of other news, USA Tour is sorted. Philadelphia um, Union seconds, second 11. Uh, Andy, you're going, aren't you? Uh, trying to, um, but I need to sort out my missus's holiday because she hasn't had it signed off yet. Basically, we've got tickets for Chelsea. Ideally, what we want to do is fly over, spend a few days going down the North Carolina or up the North Carolina coast and then go through Washington and to, to Philly for the last couple of games and fly back. But it's still up in the air. So if anybody wants to email her bosses and say, hurry up with the bloody rotor, um, they're more than welcome. Flipping Daily Mail. Terrible people. Uh, what? Uh, or, or the Daily Mirror. I don't know which paper. Um, Liam, you, I'm guessing you won't be going. You never go to away matches. I, 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 I was Mr. Mr. Away match. I must have done a good good free this season so god you know i'm a uh, raring to go but no, yeah not as far as america though i don't like uh you know when people start talking about american things it just just annoys me a bit but yeah sorry to our american listeners by the way i uh wow i, I, don't... I mean absolutely why don't we just bite the hand that feeds us you know we were saying we, we want a coffee because we need no more storage you just ruined that storage for us and, and andy on the storage, andy yeah. on the other hand loves american things if you ever see him in the street and you just want to talk his head off about Dallas, Dallas, he will love that, absolutely. Yeah, I will be in a 10-gallon hat. Loves Dallas, loves Fizzy Benlin, the old Dr Pepper, big fan. Um, anyway, uh, we got a new feature, guys. It's been a while, but we're all ready and excited for this new feature. Andy alluded to it then, but it's actually called Liam's Big Moves. That's right, it's that time of the week, everyone, where Liam Randall gives us uh, the insight uh, into what's going on in the the murky corridors of the English and Welsh and elsewhere, international soccer transfer market. We do not deserve having a coffee bought to us for Andy's use of... (laughs) Are we going to get hammered by the uh, professional recording people for you for you we look uh, we less than 10 seconds less than 10 seconds and if everyone doesn't tell the uh body just don't tell anyone don't tell what are they called boys to men no no behave it's the mad stuntman (laughs) 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 you know 
Do uh, we know if uh, has the mad stuntman ever gone on social to say he's a big Wrexham fan? Because if he hasn't, I think this podcast and this YouTube video may pass him by, and I think we'll be all right. Yeah, no mention it. Anyway, Liam, what is the news? What can you bring us from the corridors of power? Right, well, the first thing to say is that this segment might be named after me, but this would not be possible without my new snout. A snout who knows everything about transfers and Wrexham, and he goes only by the name of Wonderboy. Just let that <laughs> let that aura, just let that sink in for a minute. Just wow. Wasn't that a classic Sega Sega Master System game, Wonderboy? I always think of the Tenacious D song when I think think of Wonderboy. I don't I don't want to ask him though because it'll ruin the mystique. Anyway, Wonderboy has been getting all the gossip for us, and the basic info is that Phil Parkinson is looking to fill four positions in this transfer window. They being left wing back, centre forward, right centre mid, and left centre back. Um, as far as names go, we're a bit scarce, but we're told someone from Bolton and an ex-Forest Green Rovers player, um, but there's no names been given on that. We did speak to, remember that Scottish striker, Maine? Yeah. We have spoken to him, but he's playing coy with us, the teasing little so-and-so. Minx. So Maine. Yeah. Meanwhile, Maine. In, yeah. Right, it, meanwhile, it, it, another it news. from Bolton? Uh, well, I, I guess if you're saying... Left wing back. We were linked with Declan John last year, weren't we? Uh, I don't trust people with two first names. <laughs> you know that. There was a bit. I think there was a bit of a situation for him at the end of the season at Bolton as well, where he wasn't being played. So maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. How, how, um, do you not? Do you not trust? Do you not trust Aaron Hayden, Andy? Um, it's more John Terry. I don't. Trust. <laughs> 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 I, think, I don't uh, think any of those positions come as a surprise, though, do they, in terms of what, you know, does it, any of them, any of them where you think, oh, why are we going for someone new there? No, no, I think I think that's probably where we need to, to strengthen. It, are you saying centre-forward is in a big man or centre-forward is in, like, a striker who can sort of be in the mix and do, and do a, a mixture of both? I think most of the, in terms of most of the names we're being linked with, it would appear to be the latter, wouldn't it? It doesn't sound like necessarily another you know big man type palmer option by the sound of things so maybe it's just to vary up our options um up front another piece of news that we have had is that ben foster has an option um to stay following his his current deal so right what so, to play uh he, yeah he could stay after the current one year to play so he's got an option with another year yeah exactly that Yep. He's, okay. he's moving into Dave Besanton Burridge territory for age if he, if he hits 41 upwards. <laughs> he seems um, to be enjoying it, though. I, re- I, re- I reckon I'm going to say the punt that we discussed, Liam, in, on the WhatsApp group about who it could be from Forest Green. Is it worth us mentioning this bloke? Yeah, yeah, go for it, yeah. This Dylan McGeoch. McGeoch? M- M- Dylan McGeoch, I'm going to say. Um, yeah. Strangely, strangely uh, surname, but 30 years old, he was at Forest Green, midfielder. Um, he was their player of the season after winning the Player of the Month awards for March and April. 30 years old, played for Parkey under Sunderland. However, Parkey did allow him to leave from Sunderland. But counts for nothing. Good experience. Uh, I'm not sure in terms of what we need in that midfield department. And if we do, do we see anybody going out on loan or is it just merely strengthening because of the amount of competitions we're going to be in. 
yeah, I think strengthen. And I think someone who can, you know, play a couple of positions, um, add a bit of league experience. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, what's it, what, how do you say his second name? McGeo? McGeo, I'm going to say. It's M small C G E O U C H. McGeo. I mean, he, uh, just having a quick look at him, he looks very similar to Max Power. So you want some, he's mm. looking for someone with a bit of experience, but not over the hill. Someone who's played at a higher level and can sort of G up the rest of the midfielders because you know James Jones was was great last season, but he's great when he's got someone breathing down his neck. I'll be honest. Um, and if you can bring someone in to add to that group, I don't see a I don't see a downside to that. What do we make of Declan John? What kind of what kind of signing would he be? Would be would we be very pleased? I know a few years ago when he was when he when he joined the Swans. I know he was very highly rated, um, kind of dipped off a little bit, um, but he's still a good player, right? I've not seen him play too much. Any thoughts? I mean, seven caps for Wales. I mean, wonder how, how far away is he from, from the Wales sort of setup team? Wales. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm I mean, that, but that said, I mean, he, he just kind of, he kind of fell off the radar massively. And it was like one of those, well, oh, well, that was good while it lasted, but I'm not really sure what's happened to him at, at Bolton, to be honest, because um, he had a bit of a fall from grace from there as well, from what I can gather. Um, so I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't see it personally. But you know, strange things happen. I, but I, I, I didn't expect Johnny Williams to tip up at Gillingham. So you never know. Yeah, it might be that Parky's confident that they can get something out of him. Les Reed sees something in him. Who knows. Um, but that would be interesting, certainly. Um, right, should we move on from that fantastic new feature? We'll bring you more next week. Oh, should I play us out? No, don't do that. Um, <laughs> uh, more Liam, exclusive. Can we have a dance choreographed for, for, for the next segment, please? I, I don't <laughs> think so. Um, more, more on that next week. Um, should we talk quickly before we introduce our special guest, which we're very excited to bring you quickly? Fixes are out on Thursday this week. Obviously, very, very exciting. Uh, who's everyone looking for for our first game of the season? Tim? Uh, yeah, so League 2 fixtures are out at 9 o'clock on Thursday, swiftly followed by the Papa John's EFL Trophy group stage at 11.30, then followed by the Carabao League Cup first round at 2.30. Both those cup competitions are regionalised, so, you know, localish games. In terms of who I'm hoping for... Um, I don't know. I, I still have this weird feeling that we may be televised on the Friday night, potentially. So they're going to be us or County. I don't know. Andy's saying not. Oh, no. I mean, my mate's getting married and he's, he's getting married abroad. And that's when he's having that sort of come home celebration uh, night. So and, uh, I've already missed. This is the guy who I missed his <laughs> stag do to go to, to go to Boreham Wood. So what a double whammy for Christian Paddock. So uh, no, come on. With that, I need a home game. I need a home game so I can go to Pads on Friday night and then and then rock up to the uh, to Bradford at home in the big showpiece first League Two game. So we're we definitely going to be playing Barrow away on the Friday night, uh, if by that logic. But I looked at our our opening fixtures for the last seven or eight seasons when we last in league. Um, Darlington away, Wickham away, Boston at home, Swindon at home, Chesterfield at home, Scunthorpe away, Oldham at home, and Bristol City at home. So I would like a good one, but I suspect it'll be something like Swindon away. 
Oh, that would be terrible. I'll have to drive. I up. would love Swindon away. No, I mean, I'll have to drive <laughs> up to to Aquavia and then drive all the way back down again with a hangover. No, that wouldn't be fun. No. Well, as on the topic, please home but, game on the Saturday. Don't care. Get who? Why don't you just bring, bring your mate to the game as like part of his wedding gift? Yeah, yeah, that would that would go down well with with his French bride. Yeah, <laughs> bring her. Just say Ryan right, Reynolds is going to be there. They like yeah, he loves the Swindon. Um, yeah for me so I am actually going to France for quite a lot of September uh, for the Rugby World Cup so my fear so I'm just my big watch would be please no big games I really want to see during that time so as long as Newport away uh, Wimbledon away Forest Green away because just because of you know, um, locality and Swindon away. As long as they're not in September, then I'll be happy. Not too fast on first game. I'll go wherever. Liam, um, which ones are you going away for? Away? Yeah. I want, I want a home game. I know, but yeah. Yeah. He said away like it was a dirty word. Away? <laughs> well, but, cruel way you could do that, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm go- I've, on the train. Honest, the, fixtures, the fixtures are quite nice for us. This season, in terms of actually having some decent northwest away days, so I've got no excuse this season. Um, I quite fancy Gillingham at home, though. That'd be a nice ex league club. Yeah, let's do that. Gillingham at home. I think it will be at home. If I was if I was putting money on it, they're going to want that, and it's probably going to be televised, right? Mm. On Friday, when Andy's meant to be at Paddock's, <laughs> Paddock's so. Paddock. And everyone in the football league can hit us now, as well as everyone in the national league, because we get all the televised games. So that'll be great. Um, lots to look forward to. But anyway, is it a good time now, Andy, to move on to our guest? Why don't you um, let the listener know who it is? Well, I've so already sort of dropped his name earlier, and to be honest, we've been trailing it enough. But yeah, it's Dean Saunders, someone who we've wanted to get on for ages. Someone who everyone always talks about. Anyone who's played for him has a Dean Saunders story. So first part of this, we ask them if they're true. Uh, little note, they are. Right, we're over 100 episodes in, and there's one person we've talked about more than anyone else. It isn't Ryan Reynolds, it isn't Rob McElhenney, it isn't Geraint, it isn't Mickey, it isn't even Joey. It's someone a lot of the players have held in very high regard. Someone who managed us through a turbulent yet memorable period, fighting fires as he went. Someone who was responsible for the most laugh-out-loud funny stories we've had on here. Liverpool, Aston Villa, Galatasaray, Forest, Sheffield... United, Benfica, Bradford, Wales legend, three years in charge of Wrexham, Heidi Tabubi, Patrick Sufo, Joe Allen, 155 games, 65 wins, 4,000 attacking throw-ins, you know it is. Welcome to the pod, the one and only Dean Saunders. How are you? Good, uh, good evening, yeah. <laughs> hey, I quite enjoyed that. You should have kept going. Uh, I, I, you know what? I, I, I probably could have. There's, 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 there's enough going about, but if I put it all in the intro, we can't spread it all through this. So to get you know what you should have said at the end? Yeah. And he wishes he was manager now. Oh, <laughs> we all wish we were manager now. <laughs> um, we'll get to that. 
We'll get to that because I want to know how you take on that documentary. But we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Right. Firstly, we're going to do a Dean Saunders true or false. Now, this is a little bit different because we think these are all true um, because we've been told these stories from people who've been on the pod. Kreitz, Jay Harris, Mozza. Um, but we're going to go through them because you may remember them a little bit differently to how they told them. Right. Firstly, how are your snow clearing abilities? Someone told us that you once used the minibus to clear the five-a-side pitch, and then there was a flood in the back of it because you'd left it all in the back to melt. Is that true? Um, yeah, it was. Well, if you remember, we had the worst winter ever, and all the games got called off over Christmas, mm. and they kept getting called off and called off and called off, and we were the only team training. So I was. I used to get in early, and it, and it was it was me, Joey Jones, Stuart Weber. Yeah, uh, Brian Carey, Michael Oakes, and we had Kevin and Charlie, the groundsman. Mm. Um, and I was dragging the mat along behind the, the minibus to try and drag the snow so we could train. I was thinking a lot of these teams are training in their indoor gyms and all that, and we'll come yeah, out, yeah. we let the ground run in, which we did. Mm. We did it. I think we went unbeaten in I don't know how many games, but we were all we were fit, match fit, because the, in the morning it was snowing all the time. We had to get the snow off again and again and again. So we managed to do that, and we did hit the ground running. We did win a load of games after we cleared the snow. But um, yeah, I was driving the minibus, and we had the drag mat on the back, and we were all shoveling it off. Um, but I, the funniest part for me was Kevin, who was Charlie, the groundsman's assistant, Kev, who does my garden for me, who's a great fella. Um, he turned up late one day. And we were shoveling. And I said, Kev, how are you late? Like, I've got to sort the tactics out and the training out. How are you late? He went, oh, sorry about that, Gaffer. Um, uh, I jackknifed the van. I went, jackknifed the van? What do you mean? He's got like one of them painter and decorators van. Yeah. A little... I said, what do you mean you jackknifed the van? He goes, I jackknifed it in the ditch. I said, no. You... You can jackknife a juggernaut, a massive lorry. You can't jugger, you can't um, jackknife your, that little van you got. So we were crying, laughing, because that was his excuse, right? He's late the next day. The, the very next day, he's late again. I'm going, Kev, uh, I'm going to um, Charlie. Charlie, he's winding me up now. He's doing it on purpose. Where is he? He'll be here any minute, gaffer. So he come running across the pitch again. I went, Kev, go on. What are you going to say to me? He went, fuel starvation. Fuel, I went, starvation. fuel starvation? I said, what? Fuel starvation? I said, do you mean you've run out of petrol? He went, yeah. He was just trying to make it sound worse. <laughs> <laughs> I, I still remind him about it now, but, of, you know, clearing the snow off the pitch, that is my memory. Uh, we were crying, laughing for two days. Um, and the best part was we went on a winning run right after it. I ruined the van, mind. The van yeah. was order, but um, yeah, it's got to be done, hasn't it? It's got to be done. You, you know, you, all hands to the pump. Um, this is the next one. Who was better on the mower, you or Paul Challoner? And did you ever let him drive it? No, Challoner. One day, um, I was. I, had, I can't remember who it was. It was a striker that we couldn't afford. And I, 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 my biggest weapon was the training ground. 
you know, our, our training ground is as good as anybody's. You know, we had a 3G pitch and I worked it out that if I, if I turned the pitches around a certain way, we could get three pitches and we could just ruin one. And then in November, we can still have a pitch because I was asking the players to play football and they can't do that on a cabbage patch. Mm. So, um, first of all, Charlie's had a young lad helping him. And um, I went out there one day, he's cutting the grass without putting the divots back. He's got his earphones in, sat on that red Toro mower, and he hasn't put the divots back. So I said, cut, cut, stop the mower, stop the mower. I said, before you cut the grass, put the divots back. You know, otherwise you're going to make the holes bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next day, he's doing it again. I went, stop, stop the mower. I said, I told you yesterday. I said, you, all you got to do is put the divots back first, then cut the grass. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, he'd done it a third time. And he didn't expect me to be in. I come in on Sunday morning, I think it was. Or, and just as the players are coming out, I said to him, listen, you need to go and get your gear and leave. You know, I, I've told you, we can't win the league without your help, you and Charlie. You know, you, you, you're getting these pitches right for us. We, I can train every day properly and I'm not moaning at the players because they're doing a passing drill and the ball's bobbling everywhere. And then training's ruined because I lose my head. So I told you how important you are, but I've asked you three times and you're still doing it. So go and get your gear and leave. So he's, he's driving out the car park and all the players just come out on the pitch. And I said, lads, you see that car? That's the groundsman. One of the groundsmen. And I've just told him to leave because he's lazy. I can't work with lazy people. I went, who's next? Who's next? Because I, if, you, if you're lazy, I won't forgive you for all the little things you do wrong. But if you work your socks off and you give me everything, I will forgive you. You cannot have a bad game in my eyes. It's impossible. If you give me everything, I know you're going to make mistakes, but as long as I know you're trying, I'll forgive you. Um, and every now and again, when we lost, I went, I used to throw it in. I used to say, the, I used to say, remember what happened to the groundsman? And that's all I had to say, half time. Remember, there'll be a few of you following him soon. And I, I used to use that as my remember I will, not, I will not accept anybody lazy at the club. Um, and then uh, one of them said, uh, I tried to cut the pitch. We couldn't afford a striker. And I thought, if I get the pitches perfect, then he'll sign. Um, so I cut all the stripes in the pitch. I got one of them mowers at home, so I knew how to start it. So I come in at five in the morning, open the shed, and I cut all the pitches and put the nets up and the corner flags and everything. It was perfect. Charlie come in and went, who's been doing that? What's been going on out there? I said, see, it is possible, Charles. And he just laughed. But, um, yeah, I used to cut the grass sometimes. I, you, you know, I got up early and there's behind it. When you train every day as a footballer, it does get boring, believe it or not. You, you know, everybody wants to be a footballer, but they do take it for granted and you do get, like, it's monotonous training. Um, so no matter who you are, if you played football as a kid and you see a striped up football pitch with the dark stripes, you want to go out and play. 
Donny. So that was my thinking behind it. When the players see the pitch is perfect every day, they run out with enthusiasm and we get a good training session. So um, I forgot what you asked me now. Oh, <laughs> you've, you've, answered, you've answered. Do you know what? I'm looking for all these questions. I'm going to go, we're not going to get through these. Bloody well, hell, I've only asked you once. I'll show you. But um, no, the, it's, it's vital. Everybody at the club plays their part. The fans, the players, the owners, the, the groundsman, Alan, who's making the food and doing the kit, Mal Ritson, the physio, everybody's got a job to do and it all comes together. And it did. Right. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, after that one, I'm, I'm going to put these two together, right? Kreitz once said he went, he went to your mansion once and he said, you don't know how many rooms you've got in your mansion. Uh, it's so big. And another thing I've heard about about the Saunders household is, is this true? You once had a golf club to signal to the Saunders clan if the TV was too loud. You would used to bang one to turn it up and two to put it lower. That can't be true, can it? Well, <laughs> it, it, it's true, but that was when I was playing for Derby. So I was playing for Derby and in them days, there was no remote control. So you had your skybox downstairs. Ah, that makes sense. See, and I had a little portable on a little stool. And I couldn't, so I could reach the portable. I didn't have to get out of bed. I had a three iron golf club that I used to click. You used to have to click the buttons to turn the telly over. So I used to, one tap downstairs was for screen sport. And two taps was Eurosport. We're going that far back. So, <laughs> so I used to tap the, I used to tap the, the floor to change the telly over. Yeah. So that was when I was at Derby. And All right. Was, it is sort of true, but but not not in the way that we'd be, we'd be given it. Right. Come on. Let's get into Wrexham. Uh, how did you sort of first hear of the Wrexham interest? Did you always want to be a boss on your own? And was it important that you kept that Wales assistant manager's job as well? Um. Well, yeah, I, I started at Blackburn with Graeme Souness. Uh, I was assistant there. And then I went to Newcastle. Uh, I was assistant there. And then, obviously, I was, I'd, spent, I'd spent four years, five years as an assistant. And I'd spent seven years doing all my coaching badges. Uh, and I felt fortunate that Graeme Souness had given me a start in the Premier League, you know, coaching. So I'm coaching Andy Cole, Dwight York, Damian Duff, Keith Gillespie, two guys. Newcastle, um, Stephen Carr, Babby Arrow, Titus Bramble, uh, Boomsong, Andy O'Brien, Shea Given, Carr, Lee Boyer, Kieran Dyer, Nicky Buck, Jermaine Janus, Emery, Solano, Robert, Milner, Ambrose, Clivert, Bellamy, Michael Owen, Shearer, Shola Amiobi, Michael Chopra. Wow, you can remember all of them. Yeah, so I was coaching them. And then I got asked by John Toshak to coach the national team, which is a great honour. Um, and we had Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, Joe Allen. Obviously, Brian Flynn was in charge of the three teams, 17s, 19s, 21s. That's where it started. The Tosh decided to put the, 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 the youngsters into the team and get going with it. 
Um, so I was doing that. And then I got a phone call from Jeff Moss saying, you couldn't help me out, could you? Because I was, we had games every three months and, I, and Graham had left, we, me and Graham had left Newcastle. So I was just working with Wales at the time and I needed to be in every day. So I was getting, I was every three months, I was working with Wales. So in the meantime, I had a bit of time on my hands. So Jeff asked me, could I come and help? He sat Brian Little. Um, and I come in, Brian Carey, Brian, I come in and help Brian do a session once with the strikers. And then Jeff asked me to come in and then I got in and then he asked me, could you do the job? I said, well, Jeff, like, you know, I'm, I'm assistant manager of Wales and I wasn't planning on jumping from the national team to start managing a team in the conference because if I get it wrong, where do I, where do I go from there? You ain't going up a league. Uh, whereas you, you look at Frank Lampard and Stephen Gerrard started at the highest level, you get another chance and you can learn from it. But if you get it wrong at a conference, you might not get another, another job ever. So, that's the risk you take, but I thought I could sort any team out. I actually thought that in my own head. I can sort, I, I can sort this out. Um, anyway, I took the job and Jeff said, well, don't worry about, like, you know, if you come and help us, you can do the Wales job. I said, well, yeah, but Jeff, what happens if the games clash? They only clash once. Mm, I one, that. One. Um, but I then threw myself into the Wrexham job. And, um, you know, they were 15th, I think, in the league when I took over. And um, I was just trying my best every day to try and turn it round. And, uh, and eventually, we got a team on the pitch yeah. that, that was looking like it could win the league. So I was pleased with that. I mean, first season, um, finished 10th. Towards the end, we're losing a few games, sort of one nil, and it all seemed quite frustrating. Did even you think oh, I don't need this, or did you sort of always back yourself with that confidence that you've just said that you can turn this round? Well, no. If you can imagine, I come so I come from playing for big clubs where mm. we play we play total football, you know, play football, play it, play it forward, and you know, teams. I was playing for teams that had to win every week. Um, and, and then I went to Blackburn and we were trying to win every game with Blackburn. We finished sixth and we won the Coca-Cola Cup. And then I went to Newcastle. We were trying to get into the Champions League and, and, and win every game. So I thought that was the way to play football. Yeah. In my head, that was my idea of football. So when I first come to Wrexham, I got some lads in from Premier League clubs yeah. who could play, receive the ball with the back to goal in midfield. And like young lads who were enthusiastic, you know, Joe Allen was was one of them um, who I got on loan from Swansea who could like, anyway, I found we were winning when I first got there. Then towards the end of the season, when we were playing the same teams again, they'd worked it out. So we now had a team full of young footballers who couldn't defend corners and couldn't defend set plays yeah. and could get bullied. We were getting bullied by teams. They were just like, right. We're not going to let Wrexham have total control of the possession because that's what we were doing most weeks. We're going to bully them out of it. And we play against Stevenage and teams like that who had like a team full of six foot five who just bullied us. We were getting 
we were having the ball all afternoon. They were sitting deep. So that so eventually we were missing chances. And then we were getting done with a corner or a breakaway. So I thought to myself at the end of that season, that's what's wrong. I've got to find a happy medium somehow. I've got to get a team that can... And obviously, the bigger the players you sign in, the, in that level, you don't expect them to be like Rio Ferdinand on the ball. So you've got to try... like He heads balls out of our box, but don't expect us to play total football across the back if you've got a couple of players who can't kick it properly. Yeah. Who can't kick it properly. So... That, I thought, I know what's wrong. I'll put it right. Uh, and the next season, I started with that think, right, thinking, right, to get out of this league, you need, a, you need players who know the league and men who will stand up on a Tuesday night when it's raining at Gateshead. And you can't play football on a bad pitch. And we can win that way as well. And that's what I was thinking. I mean, before I bring Liam in, who's sort of going to talk more about that season, I, I can just remember so many exotic players coming in. Like there, there's some, there's some players I can't even name. There was a, a French, a couple of French centre halves. Colleen was there, and Masu uh, Asunamami. Um, did was it hard to keep track of them? <laughs> what I'm trying to say, did you come in on the changing pitch and go, who's he? Well, no, no. I, I mean, to be like, I've never spent one pence on a player. All the clubs I've managed, I've never bought a player, which I, I thought when I went to Wolves, I'd be able to sign a £2 million striker that somebody wants, not given away. So um, you have to beg, steal and borrow. And I had to use my contacts. Like, who could I get a player who's just in, trying to improve on what we got all the time? And it took, me about, it took me about two years of sieving through. Bearing in mind, when these players come in, a lot of them are on trial. And they're getting like 100 quid a week, 200 quid a week or whatever. They're not getting like big contracts. So, and there's a big turnover of players in the conference conference because, you know, you're not having to fork out lots of money to end the contracts. You're not paying any transfer fees for them. And they want the opportunity as well. So um, we did look at like players' histories of who they played for, how many games they played. Let's get him in, see if he can cope with the league and what we were doing. Uh, but no, I, I like as you can tell now. I just I, you asked me to name any team that I've managed or played in. I can name I can name the team. I've got. I don't know whether there's something wrong with me. I think there probably is. But um, I've got I've got a skill of being able to remember teams. Um, you and Glenn Little. Glenn Little's got that Glenn skill as well. What a player, Glenn Little. I mean, I used to enjoy watching Glenn, Glenn Little train and play. I mean, like, he had that shaped across it and chopped back on his other foot and his, his crossing and picking people out. He added quality and what a great lad as well. He was brilliant around the club. Um, he's, a, he's one of the best lads I signed, but um, he's, he used to get frustrated. Imagine he's played in the Premier League and he's played like, you know, and, and, and what, he, what he was brilliant at was standing crosses on Gareth Taylor's head. And Andy Morell's head, that's what he was good at. Anyway, we digress. Liam, come in, mate. Come in. <laughs> yeah, no, I could, I could talk about Glenn Little all day, to be honest with you. He was, what, he was one of my, uh, my favourites as well. But coming on to that um, 2009-10 season, um, you brought in you know, some experienced heads, the likes of Frank Sinclair, Gareth Taylor. Did it start to feel like more of your team then, bringing those sorts of players in? 
Yeah, and it was, yeah, and it was trial by error. You know, I had to, like, you, you don't, if you sign five players, even if you're Alex Ferguson, if you sign five players and you get three of them right, it's like unbelievable. Because until you get them in the building and you slot them into your team, you imagine them playing for you, but until you get them in, sometimes, you know, you sign a right back, for example, because you think he's better than the one you had. And when you, you find out after five games, well, I mean, he's worse. I thought I got it wrong. I thought he'd be better than what we had. So eventually you get it down to, right, I've got eight players, right? I've got eight of them. We've, we've got it. We used to sit in the, in the coach's room and we used to put a tick, a cross or a question mark next to every player. And I said, until we've got 17 ticks on that board, we haven't got a squad. You're always going to have a couple of question marks because you get young players who you don't know how they're going to be when they step up. And you've got players who you like that about, you know, can you, how long can you keep trying to coach them if they keep making the same mistakes? How long am I going to persevere with them? He's on, he's on the edge of, so he'd be a question mark. And we've, we've always done that. And by the end, in that season you're on about now, I probably had six or seven. And by the following season, I had 15 that I knew could go out and do a job. Yeah, when you talk about the likes of um, Frank Sinclair, I think he fits that category that you mentioned before where, you know, they'll stand up and be counted for your, you know, sort of Tuesday night in Gateshead type of thing, isn't it? That's the sort of character you're after. Um, we also had a few players coming in on loan from Premier League clubs. Was that always part of your plan to sort of supplement the squad with, with those players? Yeah, and um, like Ryan Flynn, for example, I got from Liverpool, good footballer. Um, says who I got who from Man City and Sam Williamson, I got from Man City. They were like, in my early thoughts of we can football our way out of this league. I was wrong. You know, I, I, I thought we could, that's what I was, my idea of football was what I brought to the club. And then I, as I was on the job, because, because the owners had given me enough time to, to, to sort it out, eventually, two and a half years later, I got, I got what I wanted. And it was like a, a balance of, men who could do the job and play football. I mean, Lee Fowler is as good a footballer as you could ever see. I enjoy watching him train and play football, you know, but the, he's, got, he's got other weaknesses to his game, but football-wise, um, class, yeah. And, and, and the young lads, they added to it, but eventually we had men in the team, really. I can't think. Did we have any young players? Sis was on the bench, but it was Morell, Mangan, Taylor, Sinclair, Crichton, Knight, Percival, Obeng, Taylor. Um, Flemo was playing. Um, we had Crofty for a while. Andrew Crofts, which was obviously shouldn't have been playing at that level, but we got him in. Chris Blackburn done a good job. So we had, like, if you think about all them, they were like seasoned pros um, who could play football and dig in and have a scrap. Yeah, I think we finished, um, I think it was 12th um, that season. But did you feel that things were starting to gather pace at that point? Did you feel like you knew the, the league quite well by then? 
Yeah, and, and I know, you know, the, the, it's such a great football club. I'm so pleased by what's happened, by the way. I'm so pleased that they've, they've they, I think the club's going to go up and up and up. I always thought, if I, get, if I can get Wrexham into the League Two, I can get them into the Championship. Because you can carry the spirit on that you've got. Like, I, I honestly believe now that they can win League Two and win League One back to back. It might yeah. not happen but I think they can because of what you've put in place. And I always thought uh, all along that, you know, only one, only one team goes up and the other one goes in the playoffs. It's always been like, how's that right? You know, it's, you can go, teams are going bankrupt trying to get back in the league too with only one team doing it. And every year I found like, if you go through the league table now, by the way, and have a look how many teams were, were in the league I was in, there's not many. There's not many left that were in the, in the conference when I was manager. I think, I think like, I looked at one point, it was like six or seven. But teams like Eastleigh, somebody puts a couple of million into Eastleigh and has a go. Boreham Wood, somebody chucks a couple of million at it, Boreham Wood. Every year, when there's only one spot, Teams that you've like a nicking the players I was bidding for, I was getting outbid by like Eastleigh. I was thinking, well, where have they got the money from? You know, I was going, I was trying to sign a striker or a wide player, and they were giving him 500 quid a week more than me. And, and my highest played players, I think, were 1200 quid. I think and my, my, my budget was, my budget was, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I might as well. It was like just under just under seven hundred grand. My budget was, um, and I know Fleetwoods was two million. So we were always up against it, and eventually they nicked Andy Mangan and they nicked Lee Fowler off me and give them double the wages. So um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a difficult job, and I and and with the but with the fans that Wrexham have got behind them. You know, I've managed other clubs, but Wrexham's fans are passionate. It's never quiet in the stadium. Uh, and I knew, you know, if I kept going and I kept trying, there was no, I only had, there was only, there was no, I either resign or I get sacked. There's no other way out. You've got to fight. I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do well as well for my career. So I couldn't, I, I was like refusing to fail. Yeah, I got but we got there in the end. I, um, I want to go on to sort of talk more about the players you brought in, and uh, you've mentioned one Fowler, but uh, just before that, a greetings from the Gara, I think. Dino, yes, hello, Reese here. I'm usually part of the podcast, but I had a family engagement I couldn't get out with. I just wanted to say hello as the Swansea native. Here's your hometown. I don't know if you uh, if you miss it, Dino. You should. It's at Mumbles. You in Mumbles? It's Mumbles, mate. Yeah, there you go. Oh. Paradise. Paradise, mate. Yeah, and I just thought I'd let you know, uh, when you uh, took over, I was 16 and I was naive, but uh, I had a T-shirt on it which said, Dean Saunders, the Messiah. Uh, I don't know where it is. I'll try and track it down. But we all and, then you, and then you left and broke my heart, Dean. But, uh, but it's, it's fine. I've got over it just about. I'll have to dig out the T-shirt. I, uh, I think my signal might uh, be a bit dodgy down here, but I just want to poke my head in and say hello because uh, I, I loved watching your teams play. Oh, thanks very much. <laughs> Enjoy very the much. chat. Thanks for doing it. Cheers, guys. 
Bloody hell, this has turned into this is your life. Who are we going to bring in next? <laughs> see you guys. See you, see you Ruth. The, let, let, let's talk about, did you, talk the, the players you brought in, did you sort of gravitate towards complex characters? I'm thinking like Fowler, Mangum, Harris. Did you think you could improve them? Did you even think you could save them? Because these were players, you know, who were obviously talented, but had a, had a few issues maybe. But, you know, there was always, uh, you were always an open place at Wrexham, wasn't there? Yeah, like flawed characters, you're trying to say. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that in a roundabout way, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah but like, you know, Jay, Harris, Mangy, I think they were, they were banned for... Uh, betting on a games, I think. So I had to pay their fine to get them back playing. Um, and I give Mangy a chance. And sometimes, you know, they were both banned from playing football. And because I, because I was prepared to give them a chance, they run through brick walls for me. Jay, um, you know, he'll, he'll tell you, it's not for me to say, he'll tell you what, uh, which way I helped him in different ways off the pitch. But uh, Jay, I knew he was better than the conference. I knew that Jay could play in League Two. He had done. I knew Mangy could score goals in League Two and in the conference. And I couldn't, I had no money to buy players. So, yeah, I thought, well, if I can guide them and tell them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong and, you know, convince them that they could go and play higher up. And, and, and that is the proudest thing of all the things I achieved at Wrexham. If you go through the team that I had, they all went on to play in league football. They all went higher up. Knight Percival went. I don't know about Kreitz. No, I think Kreitz got injured. I think he was, he yeah. got injured and retired. Yeah. Chris Maxwell. Yeah. Danny Ward. Yeah. Neil Taylor. Curtis. Curtis. Lee Fowler. Jay Harris. Keatsy, uh, Jake Spate, um, and An Andy Morell and Gareth Taylor had already played at that level. They were 36, 37. They were magnificent for us as well. We uh, and in the dressing room for me, those two guiding all the, the loose cannons we had. Chris Blackburn, <laughs> Chris, Chris Blackburn unusual character. Oh, but, can we talk about Chris? Uh, is it true he never had a mobile phone? Never had a phone, no. You could never get hold of him. What is he now? He's not like uh, he's a Buddhist. Is he? He was. He was a Buddhist. So in pre-season, Chris used to go uh, on walks up the Himalayas, and he used to go on retreats, silence retreats, where you know when you go in a room and no one speaks for a week, um, and things that, like that. He's, he was religious in that way, um, and he refused to wear. He re he actually refused to wear clothes. I don't know what he used to wear every morning. He used to wrap some cloths around him. Um, and and he's, he used to have a whole pair of trainers on. Um, but on the pitch, what a good professional on the pitch. Uh, and I got on well with him. He's a good lad. He's just um, a bit different to everybody else. But, yeah. you know, when you put him there, he could play centre midfield or he could play centre back. Um and I, football, yeah. I thought he'd done a job for us when we were playing against any say we were playing Stevenage and they've got Mark Roberts, John Ashton, 
um, Boswick, Scott Led, Ronnie Henry, biggest team ever, Vincenti. Um, I used to play Chris in front of the back four. If we were going to have a lot of the ball, I'd play Lee Fowler there. Um, who's a different type of player with mm. Keatsy and, and Jay Harris. I mean, them three. Oh, what a. They, yeah. they were like three pit bull terriers. Um, you know, every day of the week, you'd have Keats, Harris, and Fowler, or Keats, Harris, and Blackburn. And then we had Jamie Tolley, who was a different type. He would run in, make runs into the box and get caught. Flemmel would get his foot in as well. Flemmel left and went to Morecambe. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, they're all different. Chris Blackburn done a great job for us. Can I talk to you about Mangum? Did you see a little bit of yourself in Mangum? Sort of, you know, the goal scorer, you know, albeit at a lower level, like a goal scorer who can really make a difference. Do you want to say to him, I'll, I'll stop you scoring 20 consolation goals and I'll make it 20 winners? Yeah, I said, like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to, we're trying to win things. I said, I'm here to win the league and win things. So I don't know where you've been in the past, but like, you're getting like consolation goals, 20. What well, if you're not winning anything? They don't mean anything. Why don't you get 20 winners for us? Mm. So so you concentrate, you're gonna get 20 goals that are gonna make the difference. And if you get 20 goals, 16 of them goals are gonna be an equalizer or a winner. And you, you know, so in 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 Mangi, another great lad, he, he was they were all good lads, you know. Uh, all I got on, I got on with them all, and I, I was straight with them. And I told them what their jobs were. Um, and if I like, I was hard with, I was hard with the fullbacks, Neil Taylor, Curtis, you know, Curtis and Neil Taylor, similar problem. And Neil Ashton, five foot seven, playing at fullback in the conference. You know, it, what happens next? You get. Yeah. Targeted. You get Charlie Griffin at Stevenage, who's six foot nine, playing right wing against Neil. I had to take him off half time at Stevenage one night. They just kept it in goal kicks on Charlie Griffin. They're in crosses. They're in crosses to the back post. All the free kicks are going to the back post, and Charlie Griffin's playing on the wing. So I had to put Mike Williams on at left back and take Neil Taylor off, who ended up playing in the Premier League. So you need. <laughs> You need different skills. So I used to teach Curtis and Neil. I used to say to him, How are you going to, what are you going to do if Charlie Griffin pulls on you today? You can't be fair. You can't let him, you can't let him come over the top of you. And your goalkeeper's got no chance of saving his headers. You've got to resort to the like dark arts of defending. You've got to go and body check him, or you've got to use your body and your arms to make him head the ball from 12 yards out because if he comes over the top of you six yards out you're dead and buried so every time Neil and Curtis let people get inside him I was on to him but eventually we sold Neil to Swansea he jumped four leagues to Swansea City and we sold Curtis for 200 grand and I said in the past that that 200 grand kept the academy open because we needed 200 grand a year to keep it going. And we were struggling because, you know, Jeff Moss was putting the money into the club and eventually it was running out. 
the money he was putting in, I could see it was starting to run out. Um, and I thought, oh, no, we can't let the academy close. But so I think Neil's transfer money helped us keep it open at the time. And, I'm, you know, I'm really pleased that we did. Um, another player I want to talk about is another player we've mentioned, Cheslovitz, because I think we all saw massive potential there. Brett Ormrod came on a couple of, of last year and said he thought he could be a, a top championship player. He had it. He had it there. I mean, I, I can I can remember hearing stories about how much you worked with him on the training pitch. How how far do you think he could have gone if 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 he had like everything together? Oh, well, it's not new in football. I mean, you think back, every club's got a winger who's like lightning. Mm. And when the ball comes to him, everybody just shouts, just push it past him and cross it. And for some reason, they don't. They turn back or they come inside. And you think, why doesn't he just push it past the fullback? He's that quick. So I spent lots of time with... What a nice lad as well, Adrian. Really yeah. nice lad. And I tried to tell him, Look, I've played with top wingers. I've played with John Barnes. I've played with McManaman. I've, I've watched Solano. I've watched Damien Duff. I've watched Keith Gillespie. This is what they do. And this is how you do it. But there's a reason why there's five leagues. You know, there's players, some players get it and some players don't. I mean, if, if you got him on the show now, he'd say, I just couldn't probably grasp what was needed or I should have worked a bit harder maybe but in his head at the time he's a young lad he was trying um, and it just he just he always felt like there was he looked like Kanchelskis a bit you know that he was solid quick um, but you know he tried his best um, and eventually Andy Morell was playing in his position it was a different type. We played 4-3-3 three, three, and Andy was on the right. Um, just moving forward then to that 2010-11 um, season. So Dean Keats um, came in and we've had him on this podcast as well. And we want to know if it's true that you talked him round at a motorway service station at 2am using salt and pepper pots to talk tactics. Probably. I'm, I still do it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, he was a big signing for us and, and he ended up being the manager, didn't he? And he was like a good servant. You know, I'd seen he'd, he'd won the league with Peterborough. He'd won lots of things in his career. Captain, uh, tenacious, give you everything. Great in training, great round the club. Used to get the hump if we were losing all the time or if his team was losing in training. And I thought, if I can sign him, yeah, and I think I did in the, in the services. And Jake Spate, he's another one I signed in the services. Um, you know, and he done well for us as well. Jake, he's a, he's a good lad. He's an agent now. Um, yeah, and he's, he's got his life on track because he was all over the place, but he's doing well. But, but Keatsy was a, a big signing for us. And I knew if I got Keatsy, he talked to the likes of Lee Fowler and Jay, and he'd He'd help, he'd help them, which he did. Um, and I've got nothing but good things to say about Dean Keats. Um, fantastic pro and helped me do my job. Slight diversion then. What's the best service station to sign a football player in? <laughs> um, 
Well, see, I, I, you've got you've got to sell the club to them. So my biggest weapon was the training ground. I thought, you know, the ground looks a bit tired at the minute. I could take them to the training ground first. And after I've taken them to the training ground, I take them to the ground afterwards. Now, the chairman, Jeff Moss, who owned Elegant Resorts, uh, the travel agent. Now, Jeff specialised in holidays in Barbados. I think he was, I think Jeff was a barman and he met his ex-wife while he was over there and he carried on and he eventually started organizing trips and then he started going to cocktail parties and giving his card out and he started doing holidays for the likes of Dermot Desmond and Freddie Shepherd. And that's how he started. And when I spoke to him, I said, how did you manage to make a success of it? Attention to detail, he said. So what Jeff would do, if you booked, I'm just, I know I'm digressing a bit, but I'll get, I'll get you'll get why. So if you booked a holiday with Jeff, you'd, a leather wallet would appear at your, through your letterbox with all, everything in it, leather labels that you take, put on your suitcase. A car would pick you up at the house. You get to the airport and you get ushered through the fast track lane. The other side, a Mercedes would pick you up the other end with a phone in it. While you're in the car, the hotel would ring you in the back. You know, you're on your way to the, we're going to look after you. There's people greeting you. When you get in your room, your initials in chocolate on the bed. So the detail, he said to me, so Jeff would, Jeff would come in and meet the players and I was, I was signing them, but Jeff would add the detail that he took that into actually, and I learned, I learned a bit from that. Like you try and make them feel special, basically. You try and make them feel like they're the only ones you're making this holiday for. So, uh, and obviously Brian Clough tried to, tried to sign me when I was playing and he tried everything to sign me. And eventually, you know, he'll, he'll get your family. He'll get, he'll do anything to get the edge. Um, so whether it was the services, I used to try and sell the club, sell the owner, sell the team. And then I would tell them that I'm, I'm going that way. And if you do well for me, you'll come with me if I'm going that way. So, you know, they either believe you or they don't. Oh, clearly at the, the end of the day. <laughs> It clearly had an, an impact, though. You know, if they remember it all these years later, it must have had its effect on them and, and the fact that they actually signed as well. Um, talking about things coming together, we had a great run around the January time of that season. Um, was that all the sort of ingredients for you coming together? Yeah. Did we go 16 games without... We went 16 games, I think, without losing. It was a heck of a run, yeah. Something like that. And we stopped. I think we broke the clean sheet record. Um, and we were scoring from set plays. We were scoring good goals, and we had two ways. We had two ways of playing. I used to say to the lads, "We've got it down to now." The case of the tactic. Tactically, we played four-three-three. If I thought uh, we could play through teams, we would play through Lee Fowler, Keatsy, and Jay. If I thought their back four couldn't cope aerially. I would play 
we would hit diagonals on the opposition and Gareth Taylor, Andy Morrell would win flick-ons and Mangy or Jake Spate would be, and Danny Wright, we had Danny Wright as well, or Sis, they would be running for the flick-on. So we had two ways of playing. So when I come in half-time, we're either hitting too many long balls or we're, or we're overplaying and we're not getting it forward quick enough. And we got it down to that point off to a tee. So the players all knew what they were doing and they knew why we were doing it. And we scored some great goals uh, playing football. You know, I can remember Jay Harris scoring a great goal that we passed all the way through the opposition and he got a, went round the goalkeeper. And also, um, you know, when we did it a diagonal, say Curtis, I told Curtis, if he hits the ball down the channel for Andy Morrell, I'll bring him straight off. He's 37. He can't run. Do not hit the ball down the channel over his head and make him run after balls all afternoon. And then I said to him, and Gareth Taylor is 37. Don't hit balls over the top for Gareth Taylor. He can't run either. But if you hit the ball towards Gareth and Andy at the body, they can still receive the ball and use their experience, which they were good at, and their head, their head inability. So we used that. And Curtis got that. I said, so you can pass to Gareth Taylor on a diagonal. You can roll it into Lee Fowler. But if you hit any straight balls, I'll bring you off down the channel. But it's not in the coaching manual, but it cleared Curtis's mind for him. And he, you know, become, the game become less complicated. He knew what was expected of him. And he was that quick as well that he would actually get on the end of some of the diagonals from the other side. So, because he knew they were coming. So we had a pattern of play. And I'd like to think all the players knew what they were doing going out on the pitch. And that's all you can do as the manager, motivate them, get them organised with the ball and without the ball. Um, I'm still gutted we never got promoted, by the way. Still, every, yeah. every few weeks, I still think about it. Um, <laughs> and um, watching what's happening now does make me a little bit jealous. But I'm really pleased for everybody. Yeah, we had that really, um, it's a bit of a strange anomaly among that really good run was the, I don't know if you remember the 7-2 game against Gateshead at home when we lost to them. And there was all sorts going on off the pitch at the same time as it was on the pitch. Were you thinking, bloody hell, you know, I've just got things going right here and now there's a bit of a, a to-do off the pitch? Yeah, I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We, we lost 7-2 to Gateshead, which was out of the blue result, which, I mean, that result, I, I often think about that. With other clubs I managed in the future after that, that can happen. You know, you see Man United getting battered by Liverpool 7, and you think, how's that happened? Sometimes that result does happen. But didn't we go to Wimbledon and win 1-0 the next yeah, game? Yes, we did. Oh, yeah. We did, Pogba didn't we? Scored, I think. Yeah. Pogba scored. So we'd gone, like, we were back to normal within three days. I've gone, like, we've just let seven goals in. Every shot they hit went in, by the way. We missed, we missed about nine chances ourselves in that game. It could have been about nine all. Um, but the game, every time they broke, broke away at us, they, they seemed to score. Um, and it was, I can remember... You know, luckily we had a game that quick at Wimbledon. I think they were top and we were second. And we beat them 1-0. And I was like really pleased with that. Yeah, I can. I think I can remember the 
the sort of end of game scenes. I was watching it on the TV back. I seem to remember you high-fiving fans at the end after uh, Pogba had scored that winner. It was quite, you sort of felt the togetherness starting starting to come together there. Um, the playoffs themselves, it, the first half, you know, things started badly. But after Chislovich scored yeah, a goal, things could have... Yeah, <laughs> but thing, thing, you know, things could have really gone badly. But until Chislovich scored um, a goal, um, had Gareth Taylor ever sc- taken a penalty for us though before that day? Oh, I I can't remember. I can remember, um, you know, I'll I'll give you the lead up to the game, right? So we're in the playoffs. Yeah. We're 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 a bit disappointed that we haven't gone up. We got ninety eight points, did we? Uh, that was the season after. What what season are we in now? The one before that? Yeah, so this is the 2009-10 season, I think. No, 10-11. Right. And where what, what game are you on about in that season? So this is the playoffs where we're away at Luton. I think we lose the first game. And I think I think it's the one where we were 3-0 down. But I'm just going to check that, that one. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm on about the right game. So we, we end up in the playoffs. Fleetwood have got was it, yeah Fleetwood have got promoted, haven't they? No, that's the next season Fleetwood went up. Uh, I'm, I'll just I'll just look at it now, but it's definitely who oh, we went up before Fleetwood. Um, sorry, bear with me. I'm just getting the. Uh, Don't tell me I've got it this all these years. It wasn't. It wasn't Crawley, was it? Yes, it was Crawley because we were two 0 up at Crawley, weren't we? Right. Yeah. So this is the one. We're three 0 down at. We're 3-0 down against um, Luton. Luton. Yeah. yeah. And then we go away. We take the lead from Chislovich. We get a penalty. Gareth Taylor steps up to score it. He, he does not score it. Well, the lead up to the game, I thought, right, we're playing Luton at home, 10,000 fans, live on TV. What I'll do, and a bit like Darren Moore done, to Peterborough the other day when they were 4-0 down. He showed them videos of them winning 5-0 or comebacks from other teams. And he kept showing them all week. So what I done, I put all the goals together on a compilation and I put, um, what's it, uh, the moment, what's it, well, who's the rap singer? Um, you've got one shot. What's his name? Oh, yeah. You're going to lose Eminem. Eminem, right? Yeah. I've got the music to it with like so I've got one of the, one of the lads to make the video up for me. And we're in the dressing room before the Luton game. I thought I'm gonna show them this and I'm gonna show them how good they are. And I'm gonna tell them we fear nobody. Look at the types of goals we've scored, look at the different players who've scored goals, and then they, they're gonna go out on the pitch in that frame of mind. Three nil down after 20 minutes. So <laughs> So I thought myself afterwards, like, you know, you blame yourself for everything. I, I, I went, maybe I should have shown them all the mistakes they'd made before, before the game. You know, and so they, I, but I mean, that's football, isn't it? You know, we, we, it was three mistakes. I, I'll never forget, we're out the game. We're out the game after 20 minutes, 3-0 down, something like that. So we get beat 3-0. And inside, I'm feeling like we're out. But obviously, you've got to give the players something to hang on to. And I've, so we've gone down there with a plan. If we can score an early goal, the doubt 
is now going to creep into their minds. They've already they already think they're through, but the minute we if we score a goal, they'll panic. And we did, didn't we? We scored a goal yeah, early. They did panic. They did panic. And we hit the post mm. as well. We hit the post to make it two 0 Then we got the penalty, yeah. and I'm thinking, Gareth. He puts it in. It's now three two. We go on and win this game. It's all over. They've mm. crumbled. They've actually thrown the game away. We've got on top of them. And I think from that, I think fr- from the goal kick, I'm not sure whether it, or it was just after it. Long goal kick, flick on, Maxi comes off his line, somebody lobs him, and now it's four one. Yeah. So that just knocked the stuffing out of us. Um, so I thought at one point, if the penalty goes in, what if, what if? Um, but it didn't happen. Um, and I remember going in the dressing room, the players were gutted. I was gutted. You know, it, it's like, it's really hard losing in the playoffs. You spend all season going to Tamworth away, Gateshead away, getting results, fighting and went scoring a goal in the last minute for the three points. And you end up with all them points and we still never went up, but um, it's football, I suppose. That was the end of part one of the uh, Dean Saunders interview. Um, Really enjoyable and lots more stories to come next week. Andy and Liam. Yeah, loads. Um, we're getting into the crux of the matter when he actually got it right. Um, and there's there's nothing better Dean likes to talk about it than Dean Saunders getting things right. He was, uh, yeah, he was highly entertaining. I still look back on those two hours with uh, astonishment. They were just, <laughs> it didn't it didn't feel like two hours. Um, but I don't know whether to read all this, but at the, at the end of the um, post-interview, he said something like, did you notice... Did you notice if you ever asked me any awkward questions, I gave you a really long answer? It's like, yeah, yeah, I did did notice that actually, Dean. <laughs> but he was just he was just good entertainment. To be fair, I think people will get what they what they expected. I think from that. Yeah, looking forward to listening to part two of that. Thank you, everyone, once again for listening. You can email us at the address which I'm going to read out now, which is fidzine at gmail.com. Please do email us. Uh, we're very excited um, to hear from you. Um, you can contact Tim on Twitter at fearlessidzine. Uh, and as I say, Tim has a link tree where you can do all manner of things. There's an Instagram. There's a... <clears throat> what else is there? There's no, a buy me a coffee. There's, there's, there's buy me a coffee. There's a bit there's of TikTok. YouTube. Which, yeah. TikTok? I know, yeah. I mean, I don't really like... I, I just feel like... I usually go on it just to plug stuff that we're selling. For the for the most part, which there are a few prints left for Paul Miller, not many, but there are a few. And um, fanzines out this week. Let's fanzine remember. is fanzine on its way. Oh, no one cares about the fanzine, Andy. Well, they better bloody care about it. In fact, we sold half of it on pre-order. So I know, um, and those people are furious and emailing us all the time. Oh, yes. okay. Where's my fanzine? Yeah, email us, but don't email us if you're annoyed that you haven't had your fanzine yet. Because give us some time. Pre-order, sending them away. But you right. should still buy us a coffee because Dean Saunders says so. And after two weeks of Dean Saunders, you'll have two weeks of Sean Pearson, if you didn't know already, which is another absolute belter. Yeah. So, well, 
that was yeah. a very good chat so we got some you got lots of content coming up uh with some proper wrexham legends um is dean saunders a wrexham legend that might be pushing it no no disrespect to dean um <laughs> but uh some interesting characters related to wrexham uh anyway i'm gonna get out get out of this hole um thank oh, you traveling now i need to go thank you for listening everyone goodbye bye, bye. bye. cheers <laughs>